we just had a great chat with our friend. That was fun. Uh, about Mr. Robot. So here we're uh, talking about several things that we've been watching and just how... Just has a it's just good television on right now. Is it am I crazy? Is I have I just been in a Game of Thrones hold hole and there's been all this amazing content out there and I'm just missing out on it? No, no. There's good television out there. A lot of good television. I mean, which is good because because like Game of Thrones is done. It's not like, oh, we gotta wait for something. There's just remember always the day, good like, shit out there. Remember like I don't know you didn't grow up without you grew up without T V. But I remember, like, back in the Stone Age when you just had, you know, just a few shows um, that were really good. You had the show. Everybody watched the same show. And it would come to an end, and then you would feel like this big hole. And I want to say, because I don't even remember the cycles anymore, things would end and bottom out around the summertime. And you'd be left with this kind of, like, summer kind of haze and I'd like oh, I guess I have to go outside now is that like <laughs> <laughs> guess I have to talk to people now is that when they would have like the seasons like yeah that, you know and then it's like okay and then nothing's on for a while yeah so. like you didn't have and the hiatus was you know it was a very set amount of time and things were it was fall tv is that what is that what like sweeps week is all about? Yeah, it would be like it was all kind of geared in that. Some of the things that people still adhere to are like the whole sweeps week thing. And I'm like, why are we shows are being shot and made all, all the, the time? time. Like, yeah, shit's coming out all like you know what we're talking about. All these shows they just came out. They just came out. It's like there's no yeah. laws, there's no yeah. rules. It's like now it's like okay, so I know everybody's watching Game of Thrones. So HBO said, well, we're just gonna wait and sit on Chernobyl. Because Craig Mazin's been making it for like ever, and he's obsessed about it. So we're not going to debut that, you know. And I felt bad for Veep because I did just finish watching the last, uh, the last ever Veep, and I was really bittersweet about it. But I didn't have time to focus on it because I was so in my Game of Thrones kind of head. And I was like, this sucks because they had their finales the same night, and two great shows, completely opposite of one another, uh, both about horrible leaders. Um and, and and the people that you know surround them, so it's just like it was bittersweet to watch, um, Veep kind of after everybody else had enjoyed it and seen it that night, and I was like oh, I felt like I cheated on my TV show with another TV show. But I'm sure there's a lot of people who are super fans of both of them. Oh, there were people out in the streets yeah. about Veep that night going, but I was like I was misty eyed about Veep. I never thought I'd be crying. How did it end? I can't tell you. Oh, have you to have to. It. I want you to see I'd it. I'd have to. I have to see it from the beginning. You got to see it from the beginning. You really will enjoy it. Because I don't. I. It's. It's. Out, I. I clocked a couple of like portions of episodes with you, of this last season. Yeah. It's, everything's out of context. And you also, it's one of those shows you have to pause it to get the jokes. The jokes come at you so fast and so furious. I mean, starting with the pilot to the very bitter end, that by the time that you get through processing. Um, a stack of retarded raccoons in a trench coat. You've, they've moved on to the next zinger. Um, the way they just spend their time insulting Jonah the entire series is its own class, master class they should be teaching at UCLA. Um, so, yeah, it's just it's a wonderful show. You should start from the beginning. I'm not going to tell you how it ends. It's just very uh, a show of its time, I should say. They were doing it before Trump became president. How many and then seasons have they been? I think this was six or seven, right? Six years, okay. And they're quick. They're, they don't. They're not forty-five minute episodes. They're very like they're like twenty, 
17, 18 minutes, something like that. That's it? I might be wrong about that, but I remember there's blowing past. So you're not. It's like Shit's Creek then. Yes, very much like Shit's Creek. Just a thing of its own making, its own animal, just it's its own phenomenon, like Parks and Recs, like The Office. It's just its own thing, and you'll just sit there and delight. And it's one of those things that's very quotable. Uh, and the jokes are just master joke writers are on the show. And also, you just can't touch Julia Louis-Dreyfus and these other actors who are playing her mastermind geniuses who just basically have just chosen to look the other way. And she's like the worst. She is the fucking worst. And she's the best at being the worst. Her minions. Her minions. And then Gary. Just Tony Hale. Every Oscar, every Emmy he's ever gotten, you know, he's deserved. So Julia, same thing. Anyway, we're not talking about Veep, though. Talking about Chernobyl. Uh, Chernobyl was waiting right for us as soon as we came off the Game of Thrones train, and boy, did it hit me in the face. I mean, I think the first thing you and I had a complaint about seeing in the pilot was, why aren't these people Russian? Yeah. There's a lot of Russian actors out there. And and even though, uh, we'll get into it in a little bit, it's, it's, it was superbly done. You I mean, It was still an issue for me. And I was like, I'm trying to justify, I was like, why couldn't you... Do it like this. Now, obviously, you wouldn't have gotten the the you know the performances of you know Jared Harris and and um, Stellan Skarsgård or or any of Emily them. Watson. Yeah. But here's the thing that I want to say though: we'll never know. We but watched, yeah, we watched we'll the Americans for all those seasons. They're a, a Costa Ronan. All of these Russian actors um, that are out there that would have been unknowns, and I think that would have been fine because really this is about Chernobyl and what happened, and when bureaucracy topples. You know, reason, and when cronyism rules the day, and when you close yourself off like this from the rest of the world, you know, she goes. I don't know that it need. Just for me, I would have loved to have had the original Russian. Yeah, and and I would have. I the story was compelling enough where I would have just. I wouldn't have missed a word. I would have sat yeah. there. Push pause if I needed to rewind well, it to read something. We play things with subtitles on anyway exactly. because we have a shitty sound bar or sound system and we're using old computer speakers on our, you know. <laughs> I mean, one day, I mean, maybe we'll go all in. But even then, I feel like I always want to put the subtitles on. I want. Yeah. I don't want to miss a thing. Yeah. I don't want to miss what that script is telling me. So I don't, but again, I that is to say, don't come for me. I mean, Jared Harris, no one can touch him. No. He's one of my favorites. Yeah. Uh, Stellan Skarsgård, untouchable. Untouchable. Uh, Jesse Buckley as Ludmilla. I mean, I've seen her in a lot of other things now. I've been watching a lot of well, a lot of British television and stuff. Can't touch her. She is the wife of the fireman. Emily Watson, untouchable. And again, her and Stellan got started back in the '90s doing Breaking the Waves. Seeing those two on screen together, I'm like, man, the stories these two could tell. And her character was a fictional character. She was the sum total of all sum the total scientists. of all the scientists. Yeah. Exactly. So then you had Paul Ritter who plays the bad guy, oh, he, Dyatlov. He, oh, he was just—he was great. He was awesome. He was great at being just a fucking asshole. Yeah, I just wanted to punch him. I wanted to punch him in his fucking face. He's chain smoking. I also worry about Jared uh, Harris because he played the king, you know, in The Crown. He was um, king. Was it King Edward? Elizabeth's dad, the smoker. Yeah. Who was smoking after they removed his lung? And I'm like, does Jared Harris just like to smoke? Also, spoiler alert for me. This is how Force of the Trees I can be sometimes. I didn't realize that Jared is actually the son of Richard Harris. Richard fucking Harris is Jared Harris's dad. And, like, talk about a legacy. You know how, like, the father was brilliant, but the kids were kind of like, eh, you know. 
And then sometimes the father was <laughs> is that, okay, is but the like, son is better. Like Will Smith's kid? I'm not saying Will Smith. <laughs> I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that about Jade and Willow. I'm not Jaden and Willow. I mean, they seem like nice kids. But I'm just saying more like, you know, like Robert Downey Jr. is a junior. So he became like sometimes the kid is bigger than the dad, you know. In this case, I mean, Richard Harris was like the shit and his kid is the shit. Like Stellan Skarsgård. Um, I think Ale- I think Alexander Skarsgård is a great actor. I feel like he doesn't have the chops as his dad, as his dad has because he's like maybe his his gigantic beauty gets in the way. Um, but I feel like there's a Stellan inside him. Maybe when his dad stops taking all the roles, then Alex can then shine. Well, it's like but then Gustav is waiting in the wings, going, "What about me?" And then Bill's like, the, "I'm taking all the roles myself." What about uh, Meryl Streep's daughters? Oh yeah, Grace Gummer and uh, the other Gummer. Yeah. I'm so sorry I've forgotten her name. She was in True Detective. The Gummer Girls. Yeah, they're amazing. No, both of those girls yeah. are fan-fucking-tastic. Just as good as her mom. So good example, yeah. So I'm not saying that I'm mad at this show and refuse to watch it because it's in English. It was just somebody, you know, the creator, you know, Craig, is it Craig Mazin? He was like, you know, you'll, I want you to forget about it and you'll, you know, hopefully you'll, and this guy did slave over this it was his baby. Yeah. And he, you know, you can see the love and the care and the research that went into this. I'm just saying, I'm just still kind of going, but you couldn't. That, that is, I have to say, that is the only, that is the one and only thing that makes me scratch my head a little bit. Other than that. Other than that, I mean, uh, it was, I mean, just the the writing, the acting. Yeah. I mean, all of them. Every single. We were like, "Oh, what's that guy? Oh, what's this guy?" Just superb. Um, and I get it. you. You. He wanted. You know, maybe. You know, he. You. He wanted you to overlook that. With, That's fine. With all this, and I did, and I did, and I did. But I did. At, in the back of my mind, I was just like, "But what if?" Even at the finale, I'm like, "What's this?" Okay, but let's get past that for a second. So let's go into like how we won't break it completely down. You guys just should see it. It's five uh, episodes. Uh, you have to take it in. It, it's it's scary as hell. Like yeah. I don't really watch horror films, right? I watch the evening news and am terrified enough. Like sometimes I'm like I need to go and escape into a fictional world because um, real life is just too much right now. Um, I use like many people do. I use entertainment as an escape. This was a stark reminder of what happens when you just let one man push everybody in the room, push everybody to the point, past their point. They know they're doing something wrong, but that man has all authority. There's no questioning authority in this situation. There's no pushback. Because in this world, in 1980s Russia, and probably even now in some circumstances, yeah, yeah you, you disobey, you get shot, you go to yeah. prison. And you don't go to like a nice minimum security prison. You go to like a Russian prison, which I feel like has always been a shitty deal. Not that we have like glowing prisons They call in it hard labor. Right. <laughs> what the fuck does that even mean, labor. you know? Or then, then what happens to the main guy, to Jared Harris's character, is like the the KGB dude is just telling him like you'll all of your work you know uh, it's Valery uh, Legosov is it Legosov yeah all of your work will be you know attributed to other people you'll die in obscurity and here's what we gotta say about just as how how horrible and egregious and insulting and horrific uh, 
what happened at Chernobyl is I'm going to go with like what um, Fred Rogers said, you know, look for the good people, look for the heroes. And at great risk to themselves, uh, you see Valeria Legasov and you see Boris uh, Cherbina. Yeah. Cherbina is a party guy. He's the crony they sent in. He's the yes man that the party sent in to say, here's the story. It's no more than a chest X-ray. And he got educated very fast by Legasov, who said, no, this is much, much, much worse than this. And hats off to Cherbina. If he hadn't have opened his mind and his eyes to what this physicist was telling him, I mean, this could have been uncontained. Yeah. And... I mean, it didn't, according to the this, this story, you know... Um, they would have they would have buried it unless you know uh, was it Sweden, right? Had no up, register. This is your fuel. We know your fuel. We, yeah, picked up the marker. Yeah. So, and I I keep being haunted by so many images like the death bridge, the people who came out to watch uh, as the core was breached, and it rained down graphite. Um, the people who were literally burning inside yeah. out after their two or three day delay period that the, and then for, for Cherbina and Legasov to go near the nuclear reactor with Legasov knowing that they would only have a few years after this. Um, and you can see what selling Skarsgård does with this information. He has to come to terms with his own death and then he pushes on and all of the brave um, souls. I think about the general who, drove into up to the core in the truck with yeah. a high limit dosimer dosimeter um to get a real reading of what they were facing and i think about those coal miners who sacrificed themselves to prevent this from reaching into the water i think about the souls on the roof who collected the graphite yeah. by hand and threw it over the side when the robots failed when they had yeah they used used uh those bio robots like that's what he said. We're going to use men. I, yeah, I think about, and even Legasov, what a sacrifice. Literally, he, he hangs himself at 51. Um, we won't really know necessarily all of his thinking. I'm sure he left a lot of writings behind. It looks like he left tapes behind. But just to, to, to drive home, you have to look into this. And because of his sacrifice and because of his testimony in front of that um, tribunal there, Telling the fucking truth, even in Soviet Russia, at the height of its Sovietness, um, saved the world in a way. Yeah. The man was nothing short of a real-life superhero for letting the scientific community know what must be known about incompetence and following protocol and fuck your bureaucracy. Well, isn't that the thing? It's like the people, like in any, you know, society, it's like the people are the ones are the, they are the, the collateral damage. They are. And it's the fucking ruling class, the government, you know, the, these fucking idiots who just want to hold on to power. Right. And to. Just because. Just because. 750,000 people went into the hot zone and did unspeakable things just for the good of the rest of the people. I think about, well, they needed 700. 
I think that was six hundred thousand. And yeah, they only got you know I don't know how over many they a half got. a million. I think they said at the end like six hundred thousand people had volunteered to go in, or maybe they didn't volunteer, but they were called upon by the state to yeah. go in, and they did what they were supposed to do. Can we also just talk about, despite their their shitty government, um, I have a great love of Russian people. The Russian people are like no other on the planet. I've never seen uh, people so willing to just they they deal with whatever it is they lock in they know death is certain and they do it anyway that's what i loved about this was just uh demonstrating so eloquently the russian mindset and just how determined and how tough they are as a people i know they get depicted a lot of time as the bad guys or the russian prostitute or you know just the guy in the dark but Russian people are actually yeah. some of the best people on the earth. And, that, and that's why I go back... And they don't deserve Putin, by the way. That's why I go back to having it in their own language. Yes. Because yes. There, there are words that we, don't, we won't understand, and it could get lost in the, the translation in the subtitles. But we'll feel it. But the delivery of yeah. it and the mannerism that a Russian will give to this, yeah. you'll feel it. You'll yeah. see it. As we did with watching the Americans, you know. Uh, I was never put off by any time we were on home soil or in the embassy. No. Um, I could have watched it all day long. But yeah, and again, it, it didn't let me down. No. I didn't like, it doesn't make the thing suffer. It just, I think it would have been just even more elevated by the Russian. Because I do feel this way about the Russian people. Like I feel about Americans this way. Some people get swayed by a leader, but we're better than this. Yeah, American people are, you know, amazing people. They uh, really are. They'll give you the, the shirt off of their back. Yeah. Um, Unless you're black and you're in the South and it's 1 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, like, but yeah, it's, yeah. you know, it's like we're, we're also easily swayed by our you know, our media and our leaders. And sometimes we just, you know, just in a, in a hole. Yeah. And, and people are, you know, if they, if we could just get rid of that shit and have people really see that we're again, what the things that are, that make us the same and we have more in common than when we have differences. Right. So we really see that, you know, there's also just a cautionary tale about Chernobyl of like, yeah, this is what happens when you reject science and reason. Exactly. And when you don't, when you're not allowed to question authority. Question authority. Question authority all fucking day long. Whether Get it's from the of, right or the left. That's right. Question authority. The left don't have Always the answers. question authority. But, you know, we know, y'all know what time it is. So, yeah, it was such a cautionary tale about where we are and how we should conduct ourselves and how, you know, we shouldn't lose our sense of reason. You can still believe in God and still believe in reason. You can still be a patriot and question authority, you know? So, yeah, this was just a... And it's all out on on, um, on HBO. HBO, so you can, you know... Got HBO. You can watch it. If you know a friend who does, or we know how you get your HBO, we're not going to talk about it. Um, run, don't walk to watch this. Powerful. And it's concluded now, so... Yeah, it's all out. Speaking of... Uh, it was an emotional weekend. <laughs> we were watching a lot of stuff. We were clocking everything to get the episode out um, to kind of catch you guys up on stuff. So Deadwood the movie... Can we talk about how, what a love letter to the fans um, that came back with the movie. We know if you've been, if you watched the first three seasons, it ended so abruptly. There were issues with David Milch, um, a, a brilliant man, but again, who has his own demons. And now 
when they brought the the thing back around, when they brought the opportunity back around, they were able to get everyone who was living in the original to come back. And then the sad news is that David Milch has Alzheimer's, so we're not going to get a chance to do a season even of this. So David gave us this last brilliant send-off. I haven't read any criticism of it. I'm not going to. I'm sure there's some person out there saying it was neatly wrapped up in a bow. Fine, and I loved it, and I loved it. I got what I wanted out of it. I know a lot of people wanted this out of Game of Thrones. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. And I know there's people who are going to make those comparisons, but I, I loved how Deadwood ended, and I loved how Game of Thrones ended. Um, I, yeah, for several yeah. different reasons, I mean, which you, I don't need to launch into. You but. make a good comparison there, um, but they're totally two different stories. I mean, well, of course. Yeah. So, the people who wanted this out of Game of Thrones are just—they got their head in the clouds. Well, I mean, and it would have been great if the show gave it to you. I would have been fine with that too. With Game of Thrones wrapping it up in a neat little bow and giving you all your endings, and Cersei gets stabbed in the face nine times by Arya, who's just you know, she's a face sucker from Alien, just stabbing her in the. I would have been fine with that too, but I was also fine with what they got. Yeah. With this, it's a completely different thing. It's been years since I've seen these characters, and it all came flooding back. And they did remind you with some flashback scenes, which was fine. Like who people were and the sacrifices that Al had made. And uh, we go out on such a high note. And I loved it. I was also very shocked at the low body count in the series finale. I'm going to call it the series finale. I know it's the movie. I felt like half of Deadwood was going to be dead at the end of the Deadwood movie. They just racked him up in like the last five minutes. But there were people who were like, <laughs> there was just the one main death that broke all of our hearts yeah. um, and then galvanized everyone and brought us together. But I loved it. I loved that we saw Tim, uh, Tim Oliphant come back and strap on the swagger again. We saw Anna Gunn come back. So weird to see Anna Gunn after Breaking Bad because I knew her when we started watching Breaking Bad. I'm like, oh. It's Bullock's wife, <laughs> Bullock's brother's widow's wife. So it was just really cool to see all of these people come back. Jerry Jewell to see her back. Um, Ian McShane, of course, is I love him. I hate him. I have my reasons for not really liking Mr. McShane sometimes, but he, there's no way to say he's just not brilliant. He's fucking brilliant. Molly Parker seeing her back as uh, Alma Ellsworth. I had forgotten that she married Ellsworth. Um, but you should go back with me. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I mean, and we should watch it from yeah, the beginning. I definitely remember season one. I don't know if I got all the way through. I think I did. I just didn't finish season two. But I do remember, you know, majority of these characters. I just don't know what it became of them, and then where they were at yeah. the end of this. And then, you know, some of it was still even foggy to me. And I had watched all of three series, you know, just in remorse over the years. We should go back. Uh, Paula uh, Malcolmson, we've seen her on Ray Donovan. We've seen her on Sons of Anarchy. Anarchy, but to see her come back as Trixie. W. Earl Brown, Dan Doherty. My God, I mean, he was in the business for a while, but Deadwood put him on the map. And I just, I see Earl everywhere, all over the place. And he's he's always great in whatever he's in, uh, like this entire cast, no matter where they are, they're always good. Dayton Colley, who played Charlie Utter. Charlie. Uh, Kim Dickens, Kim. I, I mean, did. we loved her in Treme, and yeah, I totally forgot she was in this. Yeah, I mean, it's funny she's from Huntsville, Alabama. Um, she uh, was in Treme. We remember from that. She was we, great in Treme. She was wonderful in Treme. She even really held her own in um, Fear the Walking Dead. I thought 
Uh, we've seen her show up in Gone Girl. She's been in so many things. Yeah. But to see her come back and play Joni Stubbs was awesome. Brad Dourif is Doc Cochran. Brad Dourif has been around for a minute. If you want to see Brad Dourif like, as a baby, go back and see him in One, Fly Over, uh, One Flies Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Um, as Billy Babbitt. John Hawks, Saul Star. Good to see him back. Leon Rippey is Tom Nuttall. William Sanderson, E.B. Farnham. That dude was on the New Heart Show. And he was in Blade Runner, his toy maker. That's right. Oh, my That's God. Right. I love William Sanderson. He is in everything. Can I just tell you how much I have this really crazy love for Robin Weigert, who plays Calamity Jane? I love this woman. Here's the thing about it. I know she does a lot of theater, but I was always expecting Robin to like be as big as everybody else in this cast because her talent is not if is not equal to it's supersedes the talent of anyone in this cast. She's in Big Little Lies. She is. Um, but you know what I'm saying? Like I want to see her like launch. I want to see her like lead a show. She's that yeah. good. She should be leading shit, not being part of an ensemble so much as she should. She could take. The, the reins and lead stuff. I don't know she's had a couple of moments, but to see her back in Calamity Jane's skin, um, it made me tear up. And I love how she ends up with her lady. Just looking at her IMDb, she's like all over the place. She's all over the place. She does everything. You like know. She works. I mean, there's no doubt about it. This entire cast yeah. works. Law and Order, Jessica Jones. Yeah. But again, that's American like, Horror Story. It's like two, two episodes and episode here yeah. and there. I'll see her and go, oh, Robin Weiger. Oh, 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 you know what I'm saying? But like, I feel like she should she should helm something. She should have her show. She should. Yeah. Um, I love Sean Bridgers as Johnny Burns. Johnny and um, who does Earl, Earl Brown play? Uh, and Dan, Johnny and Dan, like just sort of leaning on the ta- on the bar at the gym. It's probably one of my favorite things. And then seeing Wu with his grandson. Back, uh, you know, back in the saddle. Can we also talk about the fact that you should never eat the pork in Deadwood? I'm just yeah. saying, <laughs> don't have the pork chops, dude. Don't have the ribs. No. Them pigs be eating everybody. lots of folks. They <laughs> like, eat everybody who dies in town. If you can't afford a burial, you're you're eating Solent greenest people. Just saying. I mean, you should just watch it if you're a fan of Deadwood. Um, I highly recommend it i do feel like it was just a it was a lovely way to send uh, a great great and didn't they have um they had garrett diller hunt dylan hunt in there too that's right oh that's right we put yes i caught it i was like it's funny he's played now three roles on deadwood his in this one his 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 official title was uh drunk number two uncredited (laughs) i was like there's garrett diller hunt um, so it was it was good that the show was uh, very well aware of that. I wonder what it was like for the actors to actually have the scripts in advance <laughs> with the time to memorize their lines because we know how chaotic it was on set. I knew a couple of people who worked on Deadwood season two, I want to say, and they were witness to actors literally standing there waiting for pages to come to them in costume with the set lit, not knowing what they were going to say. And wasn't... Wasn't that a rebuilt set, too? I think they did have to rebuild it. I felt like it was rebuilt because Melody Ranch, I think most of it burned, right? In the big fire. I think fire. so, yeah. Yeah, so that was also. That's the Westworld ran- uh, was yes. uh, set. And that, I heard that, you know, that went down. Yeah, so that was interesting because the gym felt like it was rebuilt. But, it, you know, if you think about it, 
back then, everything was new and fresh timber. So I noticed it. I don't know if any other um, a casual viewer may not have picked it up, but I think we diehards were like, oh, yep. It'd be interesting to see the original and see how much it, they really aged it back yeah, then. Yeah, I have some pictures because I scouted it one time. I was uh, I was on that lot, but I'm sure there's stuff on the internet. We should go back. We should just it. watch it. We should just watch it. Yeah. Just watch the series. We're going to switch over now to something completely different. Um, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this, but you know that Netflix has these little gems that pop up. Um. Oh, wait, I'm going to do this one next. I'm going to do When They See Us. I'm going to stay in sort of the heavier vein. Um, Ava DuVernay's uh, When They See Us. Where is that airing? I want to say on Hulu. Is it on Hulu? Uh, is it Netflix? Is it Netflix? Yeah. Okay. So uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the story, but again, we're going back into the past. This would be the 90s, I want to say. Uh, a Central Park jogger is beaten nearly to death, um, raped, loses her sense of smell, has trouble walking, um, and a bunch of youths were picked up because they were wilding out in the park and in this highly racial time. And when has it not been? Yeah. Um these super young boys, children, are rounded up and put on trial for the rape of this young woman. And you see uh, a Felicity Huffman, you know, really bearing down on, you know, trying to get someone for it. And it struck me watching this entire thing where um, she plays Linda Fairstein. Uh, what would she be? She would be... What would that be, her title in that? She like district attorney? She'd be DA, right? Yeah, or something like that. She's pushing to grab anybody, somebody. And it's kind of an interesting study. And once again, we see a lot of true crime. We see a lot of people watch cop shows of how people just want to get, they just want to get somebody for it. And they want to politicize it. And they want to get their name out there and they want to solve something. So no one takes the extra time or has the information and there's this huge rush to judgment. In this case, you saw Antron and um, Kevin Richardson, who was 14. Um, you see uh, Yusef Salam and who is the other guy? Uh, I'm trying to think of who all the guys are here. Corey Wise. You see these guys rounded up. And Corey just went with Salam because his mom would be mad at him for not accompanying his friend. And he's left behind in this process and ends up serving the most time. Yeah. But the fact that they served between anywhere between the, the least of the time that served was four to what? 16 years, 12 to 16 years. Corey serves the most time. And, and Corey serves time, not in juvie. He serves time because he's 16. He serves time at, um, I think he starts out at Rikers. He puts in a transfer and goes to fucking Attica. And then he goes to Wendy. And I think I want to say comes back to Attica. But what happens to Corey Wise is it happens in America all the time. The scary thing, if you want to compare Chernobyl to when they see us, is that we ain't had a nuclear meltdown of the size of Chernobyl since because everybody learned their lessons in the course of 
you know, this story of Central Park Five, you had a a fake real estate millionaire calling for blood yeah. um, by taking out an ad in the New York Times, and now that motherfucker's president. Yeah. And you still see black men and being rounded up on nothing and incarcerated indefinitely. Not even don't even get a trial. Sometimes people wait four, five, how many however many fucking years to get a trial. And you see what happens to Corey Wise. And I was just mad this entire time watching yeah. this. It's like listening to Uncivil. And again, I know I'm not going through it. It's it's something I don't want to look away from though. And it's something that as we head into the twenty twenty elections, what are we gonna do about this? When are we gonna when are we we gonna turn turn a real eye toward policing and the numbers game that the DA plays that all of these these politically thirsty motherfuckers play, you know, beleaguered cops, tired cops. I'm not anti cop. I'm not anti good cop. I'm not anti good investigator. I'm not good um I'm not anti good DA. But I'm anti, you just want to close it down before 6 o'clock so you can have your cocktail and call it a day. I'm anti putting an innocent person in this situation. All of it was heartbreaking. Every coerced confession was heartbreaking because it would come back to haunt them. And even though you had, and you see them desperately just trying to get any kind of representation in court, and everybody's at various levels of expertise and good at it. But it didn't even matter because the state had its case and was going to prosecute to the fullest. So it's heartbreaking to watch this happen. But I'm sitting here watching it going, this is happening right now. Yeah. This is happening right now. And, and to watch Kevin Richardson, he gets punched in the face by a cop. He's 14. He's a little nerd who plays the trumpet. And when he came out of prison as a full grown ass man, I wept. Like, I lost it because this happens all the time. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, we, I know under this regime, we don't declare things national emergencies hardly anymore because, you know, everything's on fire. But this is a fucking national emergency. Yeah. This is a pandemic of putting people for a long-ass time now in these situations and then incarcerating them. And it took a man who turned to Christ, Mateus Reyes, who was in prison with Corey, who got into a scuffle with him right before his parole hearing where he was always going to be denied because Corey refused to agree to his terms and say, you did it. He's like, I didn't do it. So because Corey refused, um, he had to serve his time. It reminds me of Adnan Syed. You know, he could make a deal and get out. He's like, I didn't do it. And he had everything to lose. He was losing his life. His, literally, his life was passing him by, right? And it took... A dude who was in jail with him to have a turn of heart to go, this is what I did. I attacked her. This is everything I did to her. And I'm turning a new leaf. This guy who's accused of brutal brutalizing people, if not murder, right? I want to say Reyes had either attempted to murder or murdered someone else. Yeah, after the this incident, yeah. Right. So he was been out on the streets in this time and got caught up in something else. So it took someone else coming coming to confess. And then these five men 
were finally set free after being vilified and being pariahs. All of them but Corey go elsewhere, mostly Georgia, to get away from New York City. Corey, I got to tell you, Corey not only stood his ground, he was befriended by, I want to believe this is true, about um, the cop in solitary confinement treated him well. He had some kind souls, look for the good people. And then he comes out of it, and he goes right back to New York City. They do settle. It's $41 million, which I think should have been, you know, a lot more than that per person. Yeah. But for black people to even get that money out of that system was a fucking miracle. I don't know. I thought Ava did an amazing job. I think this cast did an amazing job. Uh, Jovan Adepo, who played Antron, um, Reginald Barnes, again, they go by IMDb, the New York police officer, Harmon. I'm just, I think they did this alphabetical. Asante Black, who played Kevin Richardson, was awesome. And then um, Marsha, Stephanie Black, his mom, Kylie Bunbury, Angie Richardson, she's amazing. Chris Chalk, Yusuf Salim, uh, Brian Terrell Clark is a ter- or- Ortega, and Jim Cleary is the corrections officer. Uh, Kevin Richardson, Justin Cunningham, Omar Dor- Dorsey played Elambre Broth, um, Anjanu, uh, Anjanu Ellis played uh, Sharon Salam, Vera Farmiga in her perm, Elizabeth Letterer, Colleen Harris, young Antron uh, McRae, Ethan Harris, uh, young Yusuf, uh, Yusuf Salam, Felicity Huffman. Did you watch Felicity Huffman and just think? This is unfortunate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's almost that bad. Funky Jansen is Nancy Ryan. Uh, Joshua Jackson, who played probably the only attorney who seemed to know kind of what he was doing. Mickey Joseph. I like Joshua Jackson. I love him too. Um, Chris Jackson played Peter Rivera. Felicity Huffman, obviously. We talked about her. And somebody, Jarrell Jerome, who played Corey Wright, wise, so fucking good. Um, and then later on, did he play? Did he play Corey young and old? No, I think they had like they had three different castings for the older and younger boys, right? And in some cases, they had three. Some actors. of them they did, and some of them, I think Cor- uh, the, the the actor played Corey played him all the way through. Did he? Yeah. Did he? They just you know put facial hair. Had him grow out, you know. I don't know. I'm trying to, is that true? I'm looking at the credits. I don't see him. Yeah, I think you're right. That's amazing. Then yeah. that's even that's even more mind blowing. Um, again, John Leguizamo was awesome. But going back to Jarrell Jerome, he's the standout for me. Um, he is the standout for me. And then you also had uh, Marquise Rodriguez who played young Ramon Santana. That's the one I left out. Um, Raymond Santana. He was the one who came out and just, you know, you see the transition from prison life to how many how many days does that happen, coming out of the joint? You've been in there for how many years? I think about Corey coming out and being a young man and coming out being a middle-aged man, you know, going into his middle-aged life and just thinking... The fact that he still has a sense of humor, a sense of humanity, 
that he is the man that he is, is a miracle. So talk about another story for our times. I was just sort of bouncing around that weekend between Chernobyl and like when they see us and going, holy shit. So anyway. Do you know uh, uh, the actor, um, is it Jarrell Jerome? Yeah, I want to say. He was in the Mr. Mercedes series. Was he? Yeah. We've never seen it, though. We've never seen it, so Because we like, don't have, you know, access to the direct TV backroom of oh. things. Hopefully they'll put that stuff, like, on Prime. Yeah. Maybe it's on Prime that's, now. Isn't that King? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we listen to the books on tape. Yeah. Let's switch over to something a little bit more lighthearted. <laughs> uh, I was, like, getting upset there. It's like, if you're upset, just be black in America. Uh, always be my maybe. I, it was unexpected. I didn't know that um, this was coming. And it was one of those little things that pops up on, not little things, one of those, those things that pops up on Netflix. And you're like, oh, you know, we're playing a little Fallout. We'll pop this on and watch it. And we ended up like sort of turning our heads to it and really paying attention to it. This is the creation, I want to say, of Ali Wong, um, directed by Jay Karras. Car- it's a movie for Netflix. And lovely to see Ali Wong and Randall Park in this. They were excellent. Rom-com that since Crazy Rich Asians came out, I'm glad that we're seeing more of this. A lot of trap doors for Asian folks who get some of these jokes on a different level. I thought it was hilarious. I enjoyed every second of it. Highly recommend it. After you watch When They See Us, just start watching uh, this one. It'll, It'll... Help you feel a little bit better about the world, even though you know it's still going on right now. But this was just wonderful. What did you think of it? Yeah, you know it was it was fun to watch. I I, I like the, uh, you know the I like the soundtrack. Yeah. You know it, it's a little. I mean I I don't identify much with it, you know, just because I I'm Asian, but I didn't really grow up in the Asian community. Right. And you know. I grew up in San Francisco, so that's San Francisco and LA are totally different. Completely places. different places. Um, so don't be confusing them. It's you know, it's it's nice to see Asian faces. On, yeah, on that's what I liked. I was celebrating that. And you know, I really do. I do like uh, the, that actor, uh, Randall Park. He's awesome. So, and um, Allie's hilarious too. Yeah, she is. Her stand-up act is two of them have been great. They're they're. Putting these two together was genius. But can we talk about the guy who stole the show? They didn't mean for him to steal the show, but our brother, Keanu Reeves. (laughs) That was fun to see Keanu in that. Just see him show up and make fun of himself and just be a completely opposite dick version because I've met Keanu uh, one real solid time. And I spent an afternoon, let's just say, with Keanu and... That doesn't mean that I know him or anything about him, and it's been a while. But you kind of get a sense of people when you hang out with them a little bit, especially me. Like, I can tell within five minutes. I have a good judge of character most of the time. Most of the time. But, like, this dude is nothing like you think he is. He's, like, he's very educated. He's very intuitive. He's very kind. He's just a, he's just a, and he's also a lone wolf, which is mysterious and lovely. But he's just he's unproblematic and lovely. And what I love about him, even after having this long storied career, is he doesn't mind showing up and playing like this completely douchey version of Keanu Reeves. I like when he like he pays the bill. He's like, it's not as much as my royalty from. No, this is my royalty. It's not. Yes, yeah, it's, it's not my my residual check from Speed. Yeah. Oh my god. But it's it's 
out of your it's out of your ballpark. You didn't even let me fight you for it. It's sixty four hundred dollars, <laughs> and then the food is so ridiculous. Yeah. Can I have a matte black burrito to go? Um, he puts on the headphones and he's like, "You have to listen to the Sorry. animal that we killed." Yeah, I just Keanu's entrance has been uh, become a meme already. <laughs> when he just walks in, he walks in in slow motion, and they've been putting different music to it. I, this is the kind of stuff and love this man deserves because for for the longest time, uh, back in the day, the heyday, Keanu was kind of cast um, in the public as being stupid. You know, whoa and whatever. And what people didn't know about Keanu is like he's probably read more books than anybody you know. You know, probably more than somebody who's getting a PhD in whatever they study in. So the dude is very well rounded and educated. He just doesn't run out in the middle of the street and crow about it. He's also a person who's tended to avoid the spotlight um, unless he's sitting on a park bench eating a sandwich or he's sitting outside, you know, smoking a cigarette in his bare feet. Um, He's a man who's wholly aware of himself, but he makes it look like he's not aware of anything. He knows what you're up to. So I love that he shows up for this and he just plays this completely douche version of Keanu Reeves. Hats off to you, sir. And then I love the song that Randall Park uh, wrote for the end where he like beats up Keanu Reeves. I mean, what a sport, Keanu. You are awesome, sir. Uh, and then we're going to close out with uh, the final thing that we watched. We watched all of this over, um, how did we do this? We watched this in like three and a half days. We also didn't leave the house. Pretty much barnacled to the yeah, couch. Just like Friday. And had like Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, right? Yeah. That's all we did. Um, the last thing we did was we, the first thing we watched going into the weekend was Good Omens, which came out. I have to feel like, Watching Good Omens with the delightful David Tennant, my favorite doctor, uh, Doctor Who, and and Michael Sheen, that these two guys have chemistry in real life. And watching them bring this wonderful book from uh, Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett together, Pratchett, uh, to screen after having struggled for many years. I mean, for years I tried to get this to screen and to have it come and land this way was wonderful. And I'm watching this thinking... Is this what Neil wanted American Gods to look like? Vibrant, kooky, using a lot of his own words, staying well within the context of the books, because the books have it all. But know? American Gods was it wasn't it wasn't, you know, light like this one. Right. This one is pretty much what's I mean, got he just, Terry's he wicked just starts wit. off with like, you know, taking the piss out of you know, the seven-day creation. Right. And all the fallacies that go with that. Right. I loved it, though. Yeah, it was great. I really enjoyed myself. I enjoyed these two together. Um, I loved all the demons. I love Haster. I forgot. Why did they have lizards on their heads? I don't know. It was just part of that whole demon thing. Yeah. And then, and then sometimes the lizards would gesture. They just <laughs> move his hand. The chattering nuns. My favorite. What I've loved about the promotional tour for Good Omens is that they have all of the the chattering nuns are actually out. They were actually out promoting um, the series coming up, so they would sing in public places like Madison Square Garden, and they would sing like Bohemian Rhapsody and stuff like that. And one of their goals is to win Souls for Satan. So people would come out not knowing what the hell this is, unless you're a Neil Gaiman, Terry Pratchett, Good Omens fan. And be like, oh, a sweet little nun choir is singing Bohemian Rhapsody. Isn't that sweet? 
and they're really demonic penguin women. And at the end of it, they would shoot like the devil sign and go, hell, Satan. <laughs> Probably really confusing a bunch of tourists who just didn't know what was going on. But they were delightful. Uh, they have an Instagram account. I'm still following. I hope they keep it going for the a while. Nuns. The Chattering Nuns. Well, the same order of barrel. Um, I loved how they they explained the baby switch. That was cool. And then when they do like the when they did the the cutaways with the the, the, the cards, hands, yeah. like follow the cards, follow the. Um, I liked I liked who the Antichrist ended up being, him and his little clever friends, and then um, Jack Whitehall playing you know the 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 ancestor of adultery uh, adultery pulsiver. It was just it was really well cast. Um. Everybody really seemed to be having a good time, but no more than David Tennant and Michael Sheen. And what a stroke of genius to yeah. cast Francis McDormand as the voice of God. Yeah. I was kind of one. I wish they had a, a scene where they, she showed up, but. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I saw her in the Apple store. I can believe that she's God. I didn't, I didn't fangirl all over her, but I gave her eyes like, I see you. Um, so yeah, Sam Taylor, Black was Adam Young. Uh, Sean Brooke is Deirdre Young. Daniel Mays, Arthur Young. Molly is the dog. I love that the dog starts out as like a Great Dane hellhound and then yeah. just becomes like a dog that reminded us of our dog. <laughs> a little haggis looking like thing. A little haggis looking thing. I love the casting of like the asshole angels like John Hamm as Gabriel. Stroke of genius. Uh, Jack Waddle played Newton Pulsiver. Um, and then you had um, Emma Reese as Pepper. Michael McKeon as Shadwell. I loved his Scottish accent. I wonder if David Tennant gave him pointers. I mean, you don't give Michael Sheen pointers. Michael, uh, Michael McKeon pointers. He would probably just look at you. Um, I liked a, a Nathma device. Uh, Adria Arjoni. She was awesome. Arjona. Miranda Richardson is Madam Tracy. So fun to see her in anything. Um, who else stood out? There's so many people. Um, it's Ned uh, Dennehy who plays the, the Duke of Hell Haster. And who was his counterpart? Yeah, um, Arian um, Bukhari plays the Duke of Hell Ligger. Those two guys were awesome. And I love they had all the parts in it. They had the... Yeah. The Aston Martin, I think it was the Aston Martin that always plays Queen, no matter what you put in a deck. Bentley, it was the Bentley. It was the Bentley, sorry. So the Bentley's always plays Queen, and I'm just wondering if Brian May is like somewhere squealing. Why didn't the Queen come to the um, premiere? I don't know. It really was, I mean, it really was really close, very close to the book. It was. If, yeah. you, if you're a book reader and you want to know, here's a good example of like adapting a book, this hits it on the head, which I know that Good Omens is dark but i feel like watching the screen adaptation as much as i did like season one season two it's been kind of hard to get through brilliant moments in season two great things to say i love it of american gods of american gods yeah. but um it's season two does feel like it's all over the place it's almost as if, if it if it's it american gods is it's on its own as where with good omens if you read the book you can 
appreciate them being tied together right. as just like, oh, th- that's that's probably what it looked like. Oh, I like how they did that. I feel like American Gods has become almost like a World War Z uh, situation yeah. where it's, uh, you're yeah. right, it's unto itself. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm feeling that. So I have to stop being distracted by the fact that I know what happens in American Gods, the book. and But this was like, this seemed very satisfying. Good Omens was like, that's exactly what I wanted yeah, to see. Yeah. You you did this amazing stuff. You surprised me with some things. But it just felt very lovely and cozy and warm and like the book that I love. I've been reading that book since, God, I don't know, shortly after it came out. I remember being a huge Sandman fan, so anything that Neil Gaiman put out into the world I would rush to the bookstore to have. So I've I've read that book since probably the first year it came out and and returned to it again and again. Got you to, are to these, hear it. Are these the only two gaming books that are that have been adapted for the screen? Oh, I'm sure there's been many more. Surely um he's written so many things. I'm sure other things have been adapted. Yeah. Which begs the question of like should we go look for those things? I know. And to what degree were they adapted? That seemed like a big slew of things that we just watched, but that was kind of like the watch list of the weekend. All of those things were satisfying in their own ways. I kind of came out of the weekend kind of like, I felt like I had taken a trip around the world and the netherworld at the same time. Like I spent a lot of time subterranean circling like the real world and and the consequences and then sort of finished it off, you know. Beneath the surface in fantasy land, so it wasn't a it was a it wasn't a bad uh, what would you call that a home binge festival? Yeah, well, it was all good shit. Yeah, there you go, yeah. the good shit home binge festival. Yeah. That was the name of our unofficial a, and we event. like really caught up on on a lot of stuff. What was the one that stood out from you the most? What is the one that that still lingers with you? Are they all mixing together by now? Um. I think I think uh, um, Chernobyl definitely does Chernobyl and and um, when they see us it's, it makes us yeah. it makes me really think about you know just society in general and and what happens when you allow you know cronyism and and then you know when what you happens can't when, you, when, when you can't question authority when you can't question authority and also you know how do you change going forward. Because we're in a very, you know, a heightened political season. It's it's always been heightened. Never like this, though. But it's, you know, we have a, there's a chance to actually be involved and change a couple of things that have gone way over the line. Yeah. You know, and I'm sure like, you know, in the past and, you know, when, when, you know, during maybe the Industrial Revolution and all these people were making so much money and the corruption was just rampant. Um, and then, you know government had to step in and and make laws and right we're at the point where like those laws are now being pushed to where now new laws need to be made to curb some of this unequal and unfair play and you know just you know a story like this like especially you know about you know the central park five where you know we have to be involved now to, to make a change and we to have to able- want it to change, yeah. though, don't we? I mean, I think these stories remind us of something. We have to want change. Like after Chernobyl, unless somebody, like somebody had to run 
in the middle of the street streaming. Somebody who yeah. knew better, someone who had all the information between Sherbina and Legasov. They had to be the people who cared enough to want to sacrifice themselves yeah. to tell the truth. So how do we do that with Central Park 5? What they did with Chernobyl is they went in and they made all these changes. They changed, It changed the entire um, nuclear energy industry. We learned so much from it. With Black America, um, we want it to change, but who's going to listen to that? Who's going to be the person to to make that a reality? This is going to take. It's going to take all of us being a part of it. Of it you it know? has to be because I give a shit. I want to change. I vote. You know, I what? What is the answer? So you know, if you guys have any suggestions, I'm all up for it, man. I give a shit. And I think uh, that's an important part of this is giving a shit because it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart every day that this happens. So, Also, I just think about Chernobyl, too. Like, it still puts out all these rads when they go through there. They give, like, Chernobyl tours to people, right? You sign a Hold Harmless and you ride into, like, um, the hot zone or the red zone or whatever you call or it. Or as close as you can possibly get. Because right. I, I don't think they're they're allowing people. What, they say 100 years? No. But I don't even buy that. How do we even well, no, know? Like he was saying, you know, the half-life of a certain, you know, radiation or whatever, it's like 24,000 years or yeah. something like that. Yeah, it's like, so it'll never be the same. This is never, they said, this has never happened on our Earth. You know, to this extent, I'm sure, you know, throughout the eons, there's been things that have happened but this was like man-made yeah you know Mm -hmm. a man-made event and preventable yeah all this is preventable that's the heartbreak and how many thousands have to die in one case and millions have died in the other case right yeah and we we live through this so i'm sure you know that radiation has spread and I, probably everyone on this planet has some level of, of you know, low-level radiation poisoning. Got a light. You know. Yeah. That's what that whole episode was about, y'all. Yeah, exactly. Twin Just Peaks. spreads. Yep. And keeps spreading. The bullet keeps shooting. And on that happy note, uh, thank you guys for listening. We appreciate you tuning in. Uh, we will be back next week. Andre will be joining us. We'll be due that weekly. So, yeah, stay tuned. we got a lot of things to talk about. A lot of stuff is going on. And we will be back. He also has like an interesting note to bring up about the composer of Chernobyl, but I'll let him tell you that story. Uh, you guys take care of yourself. Uh, get a lot of sleep. Love yourself. Love your neighbor. It's really important to love your neighbor. It's a good message to love your neighbor. That's where it starts, right? But start with loving yourself. Love yourself. All right, you guys have a lovely week, and we will see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Ah!